Compulsive Overeating Diary, Day 6. Show notes, compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash DAY6. But I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. Now, I was thinking as I'm pondering my, what I'm going to talk about today, why I call my episodes day one, two, three, four, five, six. Basically, it's so it's easy for you to find the show notes. In reality, this is day 19 or 20 since I made the conscious decision to change my compulsive overeating behavior by sharing my feelings and thoughts rather than going for the chips or the ice cream. Now it's way, way too early to see how my experiment is panning out, but so far it's really been freeing to have this time and to talk with you. Today, instead of my normal park, I'm at Descanso Gardens, a beautiful botanical garden in Southern California. I'm literally stopping to smell the roses. Right now I'm in the rose garden. And at the time of year, it's February, so all the roses are cut back to let them rest. And I think that's really important. Sometimes I feel overscheduled, overworked, <laughs> even though I'm retired, I still feel that way. You can't really appreciate it until you're actually retired, how much crap your job is protecting you from, from having to do at home. Think of all the, the drawers that could stand some cleaning or things that need painting or 101 chores. I probably have old papers and receipts that need shredding going back for several, several years, and I keep meaning to get around to it. I have made some progress, but the list of things that when I was working full-time that I was able to successfully put off, not deal with, not think about, was huge. And part of that list involved my relationships. Now, we all have primary relationships in our lives. We have loved ones, immediate family, extended family, friends, colleagues, acquaintances people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and for me like we've talked about in prior episodes a lot of my compulsive eating covers up any time I have a negative feeling or any time I want to protect myself from knowing the truth protect yourself you say (laughs) what good does that do you you know but your blind spot wouldn't be a blind spot if you were aware of it A blind spot is truly something you can't see, and it's related to denial. And I think any addictive behavior, including compulsive eating, involves some sense of denial. Now, when you're in denial, (laughs) by its very definition, you don't know what you don't know. And for me, as I've been dealing with my eating issues, things come to my awareness that maybe I don't want to feel at all. I don't want to have to deal with it any more than I want to deal with those papers that are lining up in my drawers ready to be shredded. I don't want to deal with it. And high on this list of things I don't want to deal with involves some of my primary relationships. 
Now I'm betting you guys have heard about primary relationships and being a people pleaser. And that's where you're basically putting other people's needs ahead of your own. And that usually comes from low self-esteem. When you don't feel like you, as you are, is good enough without doing things for others. Now, we shouldn't all become selfish sons of guns and say, well, it's me, 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 and none of you matter, because that's not true either. But take a look at the last 10 things that you did for somebody and how many were actually out of the goodness of your heart, something you wanted to do, something that brought you the joy of charity and love to do. Okay? And you know the difference of that. Like, think about a party invitation. You might get an invite to a party, and you can't wait to go. It fills you with energy. You think, my goodness, I can't wait to either see my old friends again or meet these new people, or this really sounds fun, or you're filled with dread. Oh, I don't want to go see second cousin Joe again or meet these people. This guy talks incessantly about business, and I don't care, but his wife is my friend, and so I need to go even though I don't want to. So take a moment and think about the last invites that you had for some place. And did your stomach feel in a knot? Or did it feel that feeling of lightness and excitement? Your gut really is a good indicator if you're not filling it stuffed full of ice cream, what's going on? And the same could be true to friendships, love interests, jobs, anything. There's stuff that we just do because we have to. No life is 100%. Oh boy, I get to do whatever it is that I enjoy. But how much is your, of your life is filled with things that you feel you need to do, that you don't have the choice to say no to it? That's something I really struggle with. I hate to say no. I don't want to disappoint people. I want to be seen as good. I want folks to like me. But when you're flop in the wind when you agree to things that really aren't in your best interest. I found that you turn into a chameleon. People view you as reflections of themselves or they think of you as you are in these various situations and soon your own core sense of self gets buffeted and you're no longer sure like what is it I exactly want to do? That question once I retired what is it that I actually want to do is one that totally plagued me because I had spent so much of my work life doing whatever it is that I needed to get done for work, making do at home, being exhausted. And when you're exhausted, it's pretty easy to let relationships, relationships slide because you're tired or have to work. Got a built-in no for some of that. I got time constraints. Got things I need to take care of. When you're retired, you don't have that built-in excuse. So people, a lot of them, just expect you to be able to drop whatever and go accommodate their needs because, after all, you're retired. Well, bullshit. Sorry, I mean, bullshit. You do have needs. You do. You, yourself, you have needs. And they're legitimate. It's okay to have them. Now, every single need in the world may not be filled, you know, and it's not someone else's job necessarily to fill them unless it gives them absolute pleasure and fulfillment to do so. 
So this is a lesson you're probably going to hear if you listen to this podcast many, many times because it's one that I struggle with quite a bit. I took a moment to sit here by a dry creek bed in the back trails of Descanso. And this is like a woodland glade with the California oaks. And, you know, they've been here longer than I've been alive. They're hundreds of years old. And it's kind of sad because they had to actually take down quite a few because they get this disease that will spread rapidly throughout the, the gardens. And it's very sad to see what used to be a huge forest now being more sparsely populated with the living oaks. But if they hadn't cut out the diseased oaks, the non-diseased oaks would not be here. And I think that's kind of what I was getting at with my whole party analogy, is when we do stuff to just please others and we don't know our own truth, when we don't even know it, and if you don't know your own truth, you don't know what you want, you don't know who you are, you don't know what your values are, regardless of who you're with or who you're trying to please, you kind of get buffeted a lot. It's kind of like that oak disease, who you are inside the special part of you that came to earth to be whatever you are, whatever your beliefs. We all came to earth and we're all different and very unique. We have our own talents. We have our own likes and wants and histories. And that can be eroded if we spend our lives trying to please others and only be there for others. Again, I'm not advocating that we all become selfish and do nothing for others. But next time somebody asks you to do something, whether it's a fun activity or a job or a favor, I want you to take a moment, take a deep breath, and feel in your stomach. Because if it's really tight and making you sick, this means this is something you really don't want to do for whatever reason might be not a noble reason, but it doesn't matter. But this is you. This is who you are inside is talking to you. And if we cover it up with food, we can't hear that. In some religions, that's the small, deep spirit kind of talking, giving you a knowledge of something. Or just your gut feeling. Your gut in your stomach really does communicate to you. And that's something that I haven't heard very much because I've been compulsively overeating and stuffing myself full at all times for 50 years. 50 years of not knowing who I am or what I want or what pisses me off for real. All I know is I have this huge amount of rage inside me and people who know me are very surprised when I tell them that. I say, I have a real anger problem. I get enraged easily because I don't show it all that often, except to someone safe like my husband. And unfortunately, he has the same thing. So the smallest thing will cause me to rage at him or him to rage at me. And what do you think that does to a loving relationship to have somebody rage at you? Pass the salt. I don't need to pass the effing salt. Why are you always asking me? Now, that's really an exaggeration, but I don't want to get into our private dealings. But you know the, the thing. You ask a, a simple question, and you get a really big response that you weren't expecting. And some of that comes from not being on the same page. And also, feeling like you have to say yes to your partner no matter what. 
you know? It's like, I know my husband likes me to be a certain way because that makes him comfortable. Unfortunately, that's not who I am. I like to be a different way because that's who I am. So when I turn my personality into something different so that my husband can be comfortable, it gives me a big stomach ache that's only soothed by eating ice cream. <laughs> and I think the same could be true for him. He does his best to be what he thinks I want him to be. And that makes him enraged because he, like all humans, wants to be who he is. Now, obviously, when we first met, we put good face on each other. You know, you always put your best foot forward. But then I think as we were in young marriage, we got to know each other and we loved that person. But somehow through years of people pleasing to each other, we both made wrong assumptions and we both built up walls of rage, not only to the world, but to each other. And it's been hurting our relationship. I didn't want to think about that. So I ate. And every time I got thinner, I had to think about that. And I didn't like it. This is kind of news to me. Now I'd have to say, though, my husband is really wonderful in that we can at least talk through these feelings now. We're starting to be able to talk through feelings and talk about what we really want and who we really are and is there a way that we can have a win-win situation and that's new because it used to be that if I asked him for something then he would be really pissed because he assumed that his only possible answer to me would be yes or he would have a sulky whiny wife on his hands which might be true same here I would walk on eggshells and tiptoe to him and say honey would you please do whatever that might be prepared for an overwhelming rage because he would feel so pressured and same for me I would not only do his verbal requests I'm such a people pleaser that I would be on the radar lookout for anything that might possibly be what he would want me to be or do to make his life better and I would do that even if he didn't ask me to and I'd be pissed at him for that I'd be pissed for doing stuff that he didn't even ask me to do. How fair is that? So it's no wonder that our feelings and our emotions are in this spaghetti string tangle of mess sometimes. But you know, yesterday was Valentine's Day, and we came here to Desconso, and we had a nice time walking around the park, and we sat down on a bench, and we had a kiss, and it was a nice, easy time. We weren't asking each other to be or do anything other than go for a walk and see what there was to see. And I don't think that we've done that for a long time. Through our various accidents and work problems and remodeling our house and doing other retirement stuff and worrying about our money and what can we do, we've been protecting our territory and trying to carve out our own identities, being buffeted by each other because we're both in the house now. We're both there. We don't have jobs to take us away. We have differences that have become even more apparent in retirement than they were when we worked. And it's been kind of a struggle. I'm more hopeful now that things are going to be not just a surviving type retirement with my 20 year marriage, but maybe a thriving one. And I think that's what we all hope for is we want to thrive in our friendships and thrive in our love relationships. We want to thrive as people. If you're going to give your money, give your time, give your talent, you should be doing that 
from your heart. And if you are, your gut is going to feel light and airy and excited. And if it's hurting, please take a moment to think that through before you open the bag of chips or open the ice cream. I look forward to hearing your comments on this. And how are you with people pleasing? Has anything rung a bell with you? If so, please come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day six and write a comment to me. Tell me your story or call our Compulsive Overeating Diary hotline, which is 206-350-6445. And the phone number is also on the website. I look forward to hearing from you and I hope that we can learn from each other. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Inside my skin And by the dawn